irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. You are now entering the Sapphire Planet. You are now in the Sapphire Planet. The United States dropped atomic bombs on the Japanese cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki on August 6th and 9th, 1945 during the final stage of the Second World War. The two bombings, which killed at least 129,000 people, remain the only use of nuclear weapons for a warfare in history. As the war entered its sixth and final year, Allies had begun to prepare for what was anticipated to be a very costly invasion of Japanese mainland. This was preceded by an immensely destructive firebombing campaign that obliterated many Japanese cities. The war in Europe had concluded when Nazi Germany signed its instruments of surrender on May 8, 1945. But, with the Japanese refusal to accept the Allies' demands for unconditional surrender, the Pacific War continued. Together, the United Kingdom and China, the United States, called for the unconditional surrender of the Japanese armed forces in the Potsdam Declaration on July 26, 1945. This was busted by the threat of prompt and utter destruction. In July 1945, the Allied Manhattan Project successfully detonated an atomic device in the New Mexican desert and by August had produced atomic weapons based on two alternate designs. The 509th Composite Group of the U.S. Army Air Forces was equipped with a specialized silver plate version of the Boeing B-29 Super Fortress. 
that could deliver them from Tinian in the Mariana Islands. A uranium gun-type atomic bomb, Little Boy, was dropped on Hiroshima on August 6, 1945, and followed by a plutonium implosion-type bomb, codenamed Fat Man, on the city of Nagasaki on August 9th. Little Boy exploded 2,000 feet above Hiroshima in a blast equal to 12 to 15,000 tons of TNT, destroying five square miles of the city within the first two to four months of the bombing. The acute effects of the atomic bombings killed 90,000 to 166,000 people in Hiroshima and 39,000 to 80,000 in Nagasaki. Roughly half of the deaths in each city occurred on the first day. During the following months, large numbers died from the effect of burns, radiation sickness, and other injuries, compounded by illness and malnutrition. In both cities, most of the dead were civilians, although Hiroshima had a sizable military garrison. On August 15th, just days after the bombing of Nagasaki and the Soviet Union's declaration of war, Japan announced its surrender to the Allies. On September 2nd, it signed the Instrument of Surrender, effectively ending World War II. The bombing role in Japan's surrender and their ethical justification are still debated. In 1945, the Pacific War between the Emperor of Japan and the Allies entered its fourth year. The Japanese fought fiercely, ensuring the U.S. victory would come at an enormous cost. Of the 1.25 million battle casualties incurred by the United States in World War II, including both military personnel killed in action and wounded in action, nearly one million occurred in the 12-month period from June 1944 to June 1945. December 1944 saw American battle casualties hit an all-time monthly high of 88,000 as a result of the German Ardennes Offensive. In the Pacific, the Allies returned to the Philippines, recaptured Burma, and invaded Borneo. Offensives were undertaken to reduce the Japanese force remaining in Bougainville, New Guinea, and the Philippines. In April 1945, American forces landed on Okinawa, where heavy fighting continued until June. Along the way, the ratio of Japanese to American casualties dropped from 5 to 1 in the Philippines to 2 to 1 on Okinawa. As the Allied advance moved inexplorably towards Japan, conditions became steadily worse for the Japanese people. Japan's merchant fleet declined from 5 million gross tons in 1941 to 1.5 million tons in March of 1945, and finally half a million tons in 19, August of 1945. 
Lack of raw materials forced the Japanese war economy into a steep decline after the middle of 1944. The civilian economy, which had slowly deteriorated throughout the war, reached disastrous levels by the middle of 1945. The loss of shipping also affected the fishing fleet, and the 1945 catch was only 22% of that what it was in the year 1941. The 1945 rice harvest was the worst since 1909, and hunger and malnutrition became widespread. U.S. industrial production was overwhelmingly superior to Japan's. By 1943, the U.S. produced almost 100,000 aircraft a year, compared to Japan's production of 70,000 aircraft for the entire war. By the summer of 1945, the U.S. had almost 100 aircraft carriers in the Pacific, far more than Japan's 25 for the entire war. In February 1945, Prince Fumimaro Konio advised the Emperor Hirohito that defeat was inevitable and urged him to abdicate. Even before the surrender of Nazi Germany on May 8, 1945, plans were underway for the largest operation of the Pacific War, Operation Downfall, the invasion of Japan. The operation had two parts, Operation Olympic and Operation Coronet. Set to begin in October 1945, Olympic involved a series of landings by the U.S. 6th Army, intended to capture the southern third of the southernmost main Japanese island, Kyushu. Operation Olympic was to be followed in March 1946 by Operation Coronet, the capture of the Kanto Plain near Tokyo on the main Japanese island of Honshu by the U.S. 1st, 8th, and 10th armies. The target date was chosen to allow for Olympic to compete, complete its objectives, for troops to be redeployed from Europe, and the Japanese winter to pass. Japan's geography made this invasion plan obvious to the Japanese. They were able to predict the Allied invasion plan accurately and thus adjust their defensive plan. Operation Kitsugo, accordingly. The Japanese planned an all-out defense of Kyushu, with little left in reserve for any subsequent defense operations. Four veteran divisions were withdrawn from the Kwantung Army in Manchuria in March 1945 to strengthen the forces in Japan and 45 new divisions were activated between February and May 1945. Most were immobile formations for coastal defense, but 16 were high-quality mobile divisions. In all, there were 2.3 million Japanese army troops prepared to defend the home islands, 
backed by a civilian militia of 28 million men and women. Casualty predictions varied widely, but were thought to be extremely high. The Vice Chief of the Imperial Japanese Navy, General Staff Vice Admiral Takajuro Onishi, predicted up to 20 million Japanese deaths. A study from June 15, 1945, by the Joint Wars Plan Committee, who provided planning information to the Joint Chiefs of Staff, estimated that Project Olympic would result in between 130 and 220,000 U.S. casualties, of which U.S. dead would be in the range of 25,000 to 46,000. Delivered on June 15, 1945, after insight gained from the Battle of Okinawa, the study noted Japan's inadequate defense due to the very effective sea blockade and the American firebombing campaign. The Chief of Staff of the United States Army, General of the Army George Marshall, and the Army Commander-in-Chief in the Pacific, General of the Army Douglas MacArthur, signed documents agreeing with the Joint Wars Plan Committee estimates. The Americans were alarmed by the Japanese buildup, which was accurately tracked through ultra-intelligence. Secretary of War Henry L. Stimson, sufficiently concerned about the high American estimates of probable casualties, to commission his own study by Quincy Wright and William Shockley. Wright and Shockley spoke with Colonel James McCormick and Dean Rusk and examined casualty forecasts by Michael E. DeBakey and Gilbert Beebe. Wright and Shockley estimated that the invading invading allies would suffer between 1.7 and 4 million casualties in such a scenario, of whom between 400,000 and 800,000 would be dead, while Japanese fatalities would have been around 5 to 10 million people. Marshall began contemplating the use of a weapon which was readily available and which assuredly can decrease the cost in American lives. Poison gas. Quantities of phosgene, mustard gas, tear gas, and cyogen chloride were moved from to Luzon from stockpiles in Australia and New Guinea in preparation for Operation Olympic, and MacArthur ensured that chemical warfare service units were trained in their use. Consideration was also given to using biological weapons against Japan. While the United States had developed plans for an air campaign against Japan prior to the Pacific War, the capture of Allied bases in the Western Pacific in the first weeks of the conflict meant that this offensive did not begin until mid-1944, when the long-range Boeing B-29 Superfortress became ready for use in combat. 
Operation Matterhorn involved India-based B-29s staging through bases around Chengdu in China to make a series of raids on strategic targets in Japan. This effort failed to achieve the strategic objective that its planners had intended, largely because of logistical problems, the bomber's mechanical difficulties, the vulnerability of Chinese staging bases, and the extreme range required to reach key Japanese cities. The United States Army Air Forces, Brigadier General Hayward S. Hansel, determined that Guam, Tinian, and Saipan in the Mariana Islands would serve as B-29 bases, but they were in Japanese hands. Strategies were shifted to accommodate the air war, and the islands were captured between June and August 1945. Air bases were developed, and B-29 operations commenced from the Marianas in October 1944. These bases were easily resupplied by cargo ships. The 21st Bomber Command began missions against Japan on November 18, 1944. The early attempts to bomb Japan from the Marianas proved just as ineffective as the China-based B-29s had been. Hansel continued the practice of conducting so-called high-altitude precision bombings aimed at key industries and transportation networks, even after these tactics had not produced acceptable results. These efforts proved unsuccessful due to logistical difficulties with the remote location, technical problems with the new and advanced aircraft, unfavorable weather conditions, and enemy action. Hansel's successor, Major General Curtis LeMay, assumed command in January of 1945 and initially continued to use the same precision bombing tactics with equally unsatisfactory results. The attacks initially targeted key industrial facilities, but much of the Japanese manufacturing process was carried out in small workshops and private homes. Under pressure from the United States Army Air Force headquarters in Washington, D.C., General LeMay changed tactics and decided that low-level incendiary raids against Japanese cities were the only way to destroy their production capabilities, shifting from precision bombing to area bombardment with incendiaries. Like most strategic bombing during World War II, the aim of the U.S. Army Air Force offensive against Japan was to destroy the enemy's war industries, kill or disable civilian employees of these industries, and undermine civilian morale. Civilians who took part in the war effort through such activities as building fortifications and manufacturing munitions and other war materials in factories and workshops were considered combatants in a legal sense and therefore liable to be attacked. 
Over the next six months, the 21st Bomber Command under LeMay firebombed 67 Japanese cities. The firebombing of Tokyo, codenamed Operation Meeting House, on March 9th through 10th, killed an estimated 100,000 people and destroyed 16 square miles, or 40 kilometers, of the city and 267,000 buildings in a single night. It was the deadliest bombing raid of the war, at a cost of 20 B-29s shot down by flak and fighters. By May, 75% of bombs dropped were incendiaries designed to burn down Japan's paper cities. By mid-June, Japan's six largest cities had been devastated. The end of the fighting on Okinawa that month proved airfields provided airfields even closer to the Japanese mainland, allowing the bombing campaign to be further escalated. Aircraft flying from Allied aircraft carriers and the Raikuyu Islands also regularly struck targets in Japan during 1945 in preparation for Operation Downfall. Firebombing switched to smaller cities, with populations ranging from 60,000 to 350,000. The U.S. firebombed over 100 Japanese towns and cities. The raids were very devastating. The Japanese military was unable to stop the Allied attacks, and the country's civil defense preparations proved inadequate. Japanese fighters and anti-aircraft guns had difficulty engaging bombers flying at high altitude. From April 1945, the Japanese interceptors also had to face American fighter escorts based on Iwo Jima and Okinawa. That month, the Imperial Japanese Army Air Service and Imperial Japanese Navy Air Service stopped attempting to intercept the air raids in order to preserve fighter aircraft to counter the expected invasion. By mid-1945, the Japanese only occasionally scrambled aircraft to intercept individual B-29s, conducting reconnaissance sorties over the country in order to conserve supplies of fuel. By July 1945, the Japanese had stockpiled 1.1 billion U.S. barrels, or 137 million liters, or 36 million gallons, of a- aviation gas for the invasion of Japan. While the Japanese military decided to resume attacks on Allied bombers from late June, by this time there were too few operational fighters available for this change of tactics to hinder the Allied air raids. Working in collaboration with the United Kingdom and Canada, their respective projects Tubaloy, and Chalk River Laboratories. 
The Manhattan Project, under the direction of Major General Leslie R. Groves, Jr., of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, designed and built the first atomic bombs. The uranium atomic atom was first split by German physicist Otto Hahn and his assistant Fritz Strassmann in 1938, making the development of an atomic bomb a theoretical possibility. Fears that a German atomic bomb project would develop atomic weapons first, especially among scientists who were refugees from Nazi Germany and other fascist countries, were expressed in the Einstein Sislard letter. This prompted preliminary research in the United States in the late 1939. Progress was slow until the arrival of the British Maud Committee report in late 1941 showed that only a 5 to 10 kilograms and not 500 tons of pure uranium was needed. They moved the decimal place over two positions. Arthur H. Compton set up the Metallurgical Laboratory in Chicago, where on December 2, 1942, the first sustained nuclear chain reaction was achieved. Groves appointed J. Robert Oppenheimer to organize and head the project's Los Alamos Laboratories in New Mexico. Two types of bombs were eventually devised. The Hiroshima bomb, known as Little Boy, was a gun-type fission weapon that used uranium-235, a rare isotope of uranium extracted in a giant factory at Oak Ridge, Tennessee. The other was a more powerful and efficient but more complicated implosion-type nuclear weapon using plutonium-239, a synthetic element created in nuclear reactors at Hanford, Washington. A test implosion weapon, nicknamed the Gadget, was detonated at Trinity Site on July 16, 1945, near Almogorda, New Mexico. The Nagasaki bomb, codenamed Fat Man, was a similar device. There was a Japanese nuclear weapon program, but it lacked the human, mineral, and financial resources of the Manhattan Project and never made much progress towards developing an atomic bomb. The 509th Composite Group was constituted on December 9, 1944 and activated on December 17, 1944 at Wendover Army Airfield, Utah. Commanded by Colonel Paul Tibbetts, Tibbetts was assigned to organize and command a combat group to develop the means of delivering an atomic weapon against targets in Germany and Japan. Because the flying squadrons of the group consisted of both bomber and transport aircraft, the group was designated as a composite rather than a bombardment unit. Working with the Manhattan Project at Los Alamos, Tibbetts selected Wendover for his training base over Great Bend, Kansas, 
and Mountain Home, Idaho, because of its remoteness. Each bombardier completed at least 50 practice drops of inert or conventional explosive pumpkin bombs, and Tibbets declared his group combat ready. The 509th Composite Group had an authorized strength of 225 officers and 1,542 enlisted men, almost all of whom eventually deployed to Tinian. In addition to its authorized strength, the 509th had attached to its on Tinian 51 civilian and military personnel from Project Alberta, known as the 1st Technical Detachment. The 509th Composite Group's 393D Bombardment Squadron was equipped with a 15 silver plate B-29s. These aircraft were specially adapted to carry nuclear weapons and were equipped with fuel-injected engines, Curtis Electric reversible pitch propellers, pneumatic actuators for rapid opening and closing of bomb bay doors, and other such improvements. The ground support echelon of the 509th Composite Group moved by rail on August 26, 1945 to its port of embarkation at Seattle, Washington. On May 6, the support elements sailed on the SS Cape Victory for the Marianas, while group material was shipped on the SS Emil Berliner. The Cape Victory made brief ports of calls at Honolulu and Inwatak, but the passengers were not permitted to leave the dock area. Any advance party of the air echelon consisting of 29 officers and 61 enlisted men flew by C-54 to the north field on Tinian between May 15th and May 22nd. There were also two representatives from Washington, D.C., Brigadier General Thomas Farrell, the Deputy Commander of the Manhattan Project, and Rear Admiral William R. Purnell of the Military Policy Committee, who were on hand to decide higher policy matters on the spot, along with Captain William S. Parsons, the commander of Project Alberta. They became known as the Tinian Joint Chiefs. In April 1945, General Marshall asked Groves to nominate specific targets for bombing for final approval by himself and Stimson. Groves formed the target committee, chaired by himself, that included Farrell, Major John A. Derry, Colonel William P. Fisher, Joyce C. Stearns, and David M. Dennison from the United States Air Army Air Force, and scientists John von Neumann, Robert R. Wilson, and William Penney from the Manhattan Project. The target committee met in Washington on April 27th, at Los Alamos on May 10th, where it was able to talk to the scientists and technicians there, and finally in Washington in May, May 28th, where it was briefed by Tibbets and Commander Frederick Ashworth from Project Alberta, and the Manhattan Project Scientific Advisor, Richard C. Tolman. 
The target committee nominated five targets. Kokura, the site of one of Japan's largest munition plants. Hiroshima, an embarkation port and industrial center that was the site of a major military headquarters. Yokohama, an urban center for aircraft manufacture, machine tools, docks, electrical equipment, and oil refineries. Nagata, a port with industrial facilities, including steel and aluminum plants, an oil refinery, and Kyoto, a major industrial center. The target selection was subject to the following criteria. The target had to be larger than three miles or five kilometers in diameter and was an important target in a large urban area. The blast would create effective damage was the second criteria. The third criteria, the target was unlikely to be attacked by August of 1945. These five cities were largely untouched during the nightly bombing raids, and the Army Air Force agreed to leave them off the target list so that accurate assessment of the atomic weapon could be made. Hiroshima was described as an important army depot and port of embarkation in the middle of an urban industrial area. It is a good radar target, and it is sized such that a large part of the city would be extensively damaged. There are adjacent hills which are likely to produce a focusing effect, which would considerably increase the blast damage. Due to its river, it is not a good incendiary target. The target committee stated that it was agreed that psychological factors in the target selection were of great importance. Two aspects of this are, one, obtaining the greatest psychological effect against Japan, and two, making the initial use sufficiently spectacular for the importance of the weapon to be internationally recognized when publicity on its released. Kyoto had the advantage of being an important center for the military industry, as well as an intellectual center, and hence a population better able to appreciate the significance of the weapon. The Emperor's Palace in Tokyo has a greater fame than any other target, but is the least strategic value. A Japan expert for the U.S. Army Intelligence Service was incorrectly said to have prevented the bombing of Kodeodo. On May 30th, Stimson asked Groves to remove Kyoto from the target list, but Groves pointed to its military and industrial significance. Stimson then approached Harry S. Truman about the matter. Truman agreed with Stimson, and Kyoto was temporarily removed from target lists. Groves attempted to restore Kyoto to the target list in July, but Stimson renamed adamant. On July 25th, Nagasaki was put on the target list in place of Kyoto. Orders for the attack were issued to General Carl Spatz on July 25th under the signature of General Thomas T. Handy 
and acting chief of staff since Marshall was at the Potsdam Conference with Truman. That day, Truman noted in his diary that this weapon is to be used against Japan between now and August 10th. I have told the Secretary of War, Mr. Stimson, to use it so that the military objectives and soldiers and sailors are the target and not the women and children. Even if the Japanese are savages, ruthless, merciless, and fanatic, we as the leader of the world for the common welfare cannot drop that terrible bomb on the old capital, Kyoto, or the new capital, Tokyo. He and I are in accord. The target will be purely a military one. In early May 1945, the interim committee was created by Stimson at the urging of leaders of the Manhattan Project with the approval of Truman to advise on matters pertaining to nuclear energy. During the meetings of May 31st and June 1st, scientist Ernest Lawrence had suggested giving the Japanese a non-combat demonstration Arthur Compton later recalled that, quote, It was evident that everyone would suspect trickery. If a bomb were exploded in Japan with previous notice, the Japanese air power was still adequate to give serious interference. An atomic bomb was an intricate device, still in the development stage. Its operation would be far from routine. If, during the final adjustments of the bomb, the Japanese defenders should attack, a faulty move might easily result in some kind of failure, such as an end to the advertised demonstration power, which would be much worse than if the attempt had not been made. It was now evident that when the time came for the bombs to be used, we should have only one of them available, followed afterwards by others at all too long intervals. We could not afford the chance that one of them might be a dud. If the tests were made on some neutral territory, it was hard to believe that Japan's determined and fanatical military men would be impressed. If such an open test were made first and failed to bring surrender, the chance would be gone to give the shock of surprise that proved so effective. On the contrary, it would make the Japanese ready to interfere with an atomic attack, if they could. Though the possibility of a demonstration that would not destroy human lives was attractive, no one could suggest a way in which it could be made so convincing that it would likely stop the war. Unquote. The possibilities of demonstrations were raised again by the Frank Report, issued by physicist James Frank on June 11th, and the Scientific Advisory Panel rejected his report on June 16th, saying that we can propose no technical demonstrations likely to bring an end to the war. We see no acceptable alternative to direct military use. 
Frank then took the report to Washington, D.C., where the interim committee met on June 21st to re-examine its earlier conclusion, but reaffirmed that there was no alternative to the use of the bomb on a military target. Like Compton, many U.S. officials and scientists argued that a demonstration would sacrifice the shock value of the atomic attack. The Japanese could deny the attack atomic bomb was lethal, making the mission less likely to produce surrender. Allied prisoners of war might be moved to the demonstration site and be killed by the bomb. They also worried that the bomb might be a dud, since the Trinity test was a stationary device, not an airdropped bomb. In addition, only two bombs would be available at the start of August. Although more were in the production, they cost a billion dollars each, so using one for demonstration would be incredibly expensive. For several months, the U.S. had dropped more than 63 million leaflets across Japan, warning civilians of air raids. Many Japanese cities suffered terrible damage from aerial bombings. Some were as much as 97% destroyed. General LeMay thought the leaflets would increase the psychological impact of bombing and reduce the international stigma of area bombing. Even with these warnings, Japanese opposition to the war remained ineffective. In general, the Japanese regarded the leafless message as truthful, but anyone who was caught in possession of one was arrested. Leaflet texts were prepared by recent Japanese prisoners of war because they were thought to be the best choice to appeal to their compatriots. In preparation for dropping the atomic bomb on Hiroshima, U.S. military leaders decided against the demonstration of a bomb and against a special leaflet warning in both cases because of the uncertainty of a successful detonation and the wish to maximize psychological shock. No warning was given to Hiroshima and a new and much more destructive bomb was going to be dropped. Various sources gave conflicting information about when the last leaflets were dropped on Hiroshima prior to the atomic bomb. Some say that it was July 27th. Others say it was July 3rd. The United States Army Air Force history notes 11 cities were targeted with leaflets on July 27th, but Hiroshima was not one of them. And there were no leaflet sorties on July 30th. Leaflet sorties were undertaken on August 1st and August 4th. It is very likely that Hiroshima was leafleted in late July or early August, as survivors' accounts talk about a delivery of leaflets a few days before the atomic bomb was dropped. One such leaflet lists 12 cities targeted for firebombing, Otura, Akita, Anchino, Fukushima, Urwa, Takayama, Awakuni, Totori, Imbari, Yawada, Miyakonogu, and Sega. 
Hiroshima was not listed. The Potsdam Declaration Truman delayed the start of the summit by two weeks in the hope that the bomb could be tested before the start of negotiations was stolen. The Trinity test of July 16th exceeded expectations. On July 26th, Allied leaders issued the Potsdam Declaration, outlining terms of surrender for Japan. It was presented as an ultimatum and stated that without a surrender, the Allies would attack Japan, resulting in the inevitable and complete destruction of the Japanese armed forces and just as inevitably the utter devastation of the Japanese homeland. The atomic bomb was not mentioned in the communique. On July 28th, Japanese papers reported that the declaration had been rejected by the Japanese government. That afternoon, Prime Minister Suzuki Kentoro declared at a press conference that the Potsdam Declaration was no more than a rehash of the Cairo Declaration and that the government intended to ignore it. This statement was taken by both Japanese and foreign papers as a clear rejection of the declaration. Emperor Hirohito, who was waiting for the Soviet reply to non-committal Japanese peace feelers, made no move to change the government position. Japanese willingness to surrender remained conditional on the preservation of the imperial institution, that Japan not be occupied, that the Japanese armed forces be disbanded voluntarily, and that war criminals be prosecuted by Japanese courts. Under the 1943 Quebec Agreement with the United Kingdom, the United States had agreed that nuclear weapons would not be used against another country without mutual consent. In June 1945, the head of the British Joint Staff Mission, Field Marshal Sir Henry Maitland Wilson, agreed that the use of nuclear weapons against Japan would be officially recorded as a decision of the Combined Policy Committee. At Potsdam, Truman agreed to a request from Winston Churchill that Britain be represented when the atomic bomb was dropped. William Penny and Group Captain Leonard Cheshire were sent to Tinian, but found that General LeMay would not let them accompany the mission. All they could do was send a strongly worded signal back to Wilson. Your journey is now ending. You are now leaving the Sapphire Planet.
Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet. Now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.